Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. People who follow Jesus do not claim to be perfect, yet when we see that imperfection on display when our leaders fall, it can be a tumultuous time for the church. Unfortunately, it seems like we face scandal after scandal the last couple of years in the Church of the West. Today's guest has been reporting on those scandals since day one. Julie Roys of the Roys Report joins us today. She tells us why it's so important to report on such things as scandals within the church. She'll share that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Julie Roys. She's the founder of the Roys Report, which is a Christian media outlet that reports the unvarnished truth about what's happening in the Christian community. With the Roys Report, uh, Julie, you do some uh, really important and in-depth uh, reporting within the church and the Christian world. Uh, how did that all start for you? Well, I I sometimes say I don't feel like I chose this, more like I got drafted. Um, I was a radio host on the Moody Radio Network, which the Moody Bible Institute is a, a big institute in Chicago with an incredible history and has a network of uh, dozens of radio stations throughout North America. And I had this national radio show and really enjoyed it. But uh, in the midst of uh, being there, I found out about some things, some wrongdoing that was going on and really came to a, a crisis point where I felt like I had to blow the whistle on it. And I did that and I got fired, which I kind of knew was going to happen. <laughs> um, but and, and I really was prepared at that point to um, to just kind of leave the whole um, Christian scene and re reporting and all that. And, um, and again, I'd been a, a radio host at that point and uh, had training in journalism and had worked as a journalist, but uh, had been out of it for several years and uh, really thought I was done. And, but on the heels of blowing the whistle on the Moody Bible Institute, which led to actually the removal of the top three officers at Moody, um, but then on the heels of that, people came to me with stories about James McDonald and Harvest Bible Chapel, really pleading with me to investigate and to do some reporting there. And I did that. And that led to James McDonald getting fired by Harvest and all the elders resigning. And it's just been a steady stream. And now the latest one has been Robbie Zacharias and what's happened there. And it, it's been, you know, in some ways heartening to see that God is shining light and he's used this platform that he's given me to shine light on some really dark areas, uh, disheartening just in the sense that I think we're going through a, a sifting and a shifting, mm -hmm. uh, in the church and God is bringing some things to light and, and they're not, they're not good things. And it's, it's hard to look at those things, but I think God cares more about his reputation than he does about ours. And so I do think he is, uh, concerned about his righteousness and, and this is an important thing that he's doing. And I think we need to participate with it, even though, um, you know, admitting these things about ourselves and about our own evangelical church can be really difficult. With, um, well, Moody and the James McDonald situation, like you lost your job. And with the James McDonald situation, there's some nasty fallout in the aftermath <laughs> of that, which you probably also knew would be coming your way. So, mm -hmm. yeah, how do you do that? How do you do hard things uh, against like, you know, a lot of people would say, like, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? How come you're dragging their names through the mud? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you look in, in Scripture, there's an awful lot of prophets who draw, who drag people's names through the mud. Um, mm -hmm. And not that I'm comparing myself to an Old Testament prophet, not at all. But <laughs> 
I'm just saying there's a precedent for telling the truth about people and even confronting them publicly. And we have, you know, Ephesians 5.11 says, have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. First Timothy 5.20 says uh, that if an elder is sinning, that you should publicly expose him so that others may stand in fear. And so you do have in scripture qualifications for leadership very clearly in the New Testament. And then you have uh, sort of a recipe for what you're supposed to do. I, I do think it's difficult now in the evangelical church where it's not like we have a magisterium or something, you know, some governing body. Uh, we have in the evangelical church, I would say, sort of a, a platform that's won through popularity and through, you know, now with the social media age and, and internet, it's through, you know, a platform, Twitter, how many Twitter followers and Facebook and how many people come to your website, those sorts of things. And so we don't necessarily have a church governing it. And so there is, I think, a need for accountability. And really, if you look at all of the major scandals that have been revealed in the past several years, it has been journalists leading the way. And so often, and, and even this happened when I, with Moody, uh, where I went to the trustees first and said, please do something about this. This is wrong. And then I found out the trustees were colluding with the administration to do the wrong things, you know? Mm. And, and so at that point, you're kind of like, well, you know, and, and Harvest, you know, you bring that up. You had um, the board had been confronted multiple times with wrongdoing that James McDonald was doing. And RZIM, you find out that the board was Ravi Zacharias was a chairman. Margie, his wife, was a vice chairman. And Sarah Davis, who's now CEO of RZIM, was a director. So how could that board possibly have been holding RZIM accountable? So we're at a point where there's just not really good controls in place to provide accountability. I think people are becoming much more wise to that and maybe becoming smarter in the way that they donate. But, but it's, I, it, you know, at this point, I think public exposure is about the only way that a lot of these organizations seem to listen to correction. With uh, the Ravi case in particular, I've seen, um, you know, a lot of comments along the lines like, well, even David sinned and he was a man after God's own heart. And I've seen that not only on our own stories, uh, but also on yours as well, because I follow you closely, too. What do you think when you see comments like that? And, and what's the difference there? Well, there's a lot of differences. Uh, what people seem to miss, the biggest difference is that when Nathan confronted David, he repented. And he actually embraced the consequence that came to him, which was the death of, of Bathsheba's um, child. So, I mean, you don't see this kind of uh, serial uh, sexual predation that we see in Ravi Zacharias, for example. And we don't see when uh, David's confronted that he turns around and files a RICO lawsuit against the woman that he was preying on. But that's what happened with Ravi. So it's a very, very different situation. And And I think people don't realize either that God did. Again, the, the son of Bathsheba died or the child. Um, and so there's, there's just a missing that there were consequences for that. And there are consequences for sin. And so when people say that, it's almost like, oh, oh we all sin. So let's have no, no accountability and let's have no standards. And that's not biblical. I mean, if you look in the New Testament, again, there are biblical requirements for being an elder in a church or being a spiritual leader. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right there. And some of them are being above reproach and not being a lover of money. And that's something that, that Ravi, quite frankly, he didn't meet those qualifications. So one of the, you know, the major unfortunate things about Ravi in particular is he had 
plenty of opportunity over the years to confess and repent. This is not something that just started happening in September, right? Uh, people had been coming <laughs> forward for quite a long time. We're finding out more and more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, we have Lori Ann Thompson who came mm -hmm. forward in, you know, 2017 saying that he had lured her into this sexting relationship. And even when she tried to break it off that, that he had written her these suicide, you know, emails. And, um, so, I mean, that's the, and, and then he filed a lawsuit against her, but, but even more recently, we found out that, uh, Shirley Stewart, who another Canadian, um, who, uh, was encouraged by by Ravi to get an abortion when she was pregnant as a as a seventeen year old um, got pregnant to uh, Ravi's younger brother and and that has devastated her life and she actually had a complication what she believes was a complication of that abortion and then was sterile her whole life you know mm -hmm. I mean it, it devastated her life and here was Ravi an up and coming preacher at the time encouraging her to get an abortion and that whole I actually did a podcast with her recently, um, and you can listen to that at my website, julieroys.com. Um, and, you know, again, she wrote him a letter years ago confronting him about what he did, and he denied and deflected. And we just see a pattern in Ruth Malholtra, who is um, RZIM's, um, she's their public relations manager, and she said every time she confronted Ravi with the facts that didn't match his story. He would get very angry and defensive. So we don't see a heart of contrition. We don't see repentance. And is God willing to forgive anybody who repents? Absolutely. Did Ravi repent? There's no evidence of it. And then there also is, you know, after somebody repents, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're still qualified to serve in that role. Right. And so I think that's something we need to be clear about as Christians, because I don't think we are very clear. There's going to be a lot of confused Christians out and about listening to this stuff and going, mm. Mm, what am I supposed to listen to? What am I supposed to uh, believe? But how do we get people to open up their minds to listen to all of these different sides and the stuff that we're all trying to share? Well, one of my, my main goals is to educate donors and to educate Christians who are supporting these ministries and being a part of them. Because the, the only reason that they have the platform they do is because we give it to them. And for years, uh, some of this stuff was out in the public square uh, about Ravi, but people weren't listening to it. And for example, one of the huge red flags with RZIM is that in 2015, they um, classified with the IRS in the U.S. here as an association of churches. And when they did that, what that allowed them to do is to stop filing 990 tax forms. 990 tax forms require you to name all of your directors and also list uh, the, the uh, executive salary. So all the top executives in your organization, you have to report that. Well, RZIM, by becoming the Association of Churches, a religious nonprofit, they were able to exempt themselves from that from that uh, qualification. And so they didn't have to file those anymore. And that to me, that's always a huge red flag when you see in the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, one of their standards is governance and transparency. And they make the point, and I think this is really important for people to realize that whenever you have these scandals, you can almost always trace it back to bad governance. And again, with RZIM, what was the bad governance? Very clearly, they had three family members on the board. The board was not independent. So some of the things to look for as donors, look for transparency, look for an independent board, look for, are they reporting the executive 
executive salaries? Are they reporting how they're spending their money? If they're not, demand that of the, the organizations you give to. And if they're not willing to give you that information, stop giving. What do you see as the way forward? Like it feels like the church has just been rocked by scandal here in the West the last couple of years, one after the other. Uh, prominent people uh, were finding, you know, they preached one message but lived another. How do we make our way forward as the church? Yeah, I, you know, the, the gospel is so simple, but so hard to, to do, right? But it really is through repentance and asking for forgiveness and, and moving forward. And, and as a church, I think corporately, we need to be seeking God for, okay, what, what are we doing wrong that this keeps happening? And, and I do think we need to confront what I've sometimes termed at my website as the evangelical industrial complex or the evangelical mm. celebrity machine. Yeah. And people need to understand that all the, the mega churches, the publishing companies, the media, the, um, the, you know, the, the celebrity figures that we have in evangelicalism, they're, they're all interconnected. And there's not anything necessarily wrong about that on its surface. If that interconnectedness, that community provides accountability. But what's happening right now is that connectedness, that interrelationship, which again, they all profit off of one another, that's providing cover for each other. If, if many lay people, you know, you know, just the public looking at some of these things knew for years what was going on. And I know a lot of people, most people didn't because we have busy lives, right? And we're not necessarily paying attention to all these things. But I promise you, there are there's leader after leader after leader who knew what was going on. Even the the um, the Southern Baptist Convention disinvited Ravi from their Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission uh, conference in 2018. Why they disinvite him? Because they looked at some of this stuff and said, man, there's all sorts of red flags. Well, why didn't more people within the Southern Baptist Convention speak up? Why didn't more of these leaders speak up? So I think we're seeing a culture that is not providing accountability. And I think, you know, as believers, we need to start doing that. And, and as pastors and leaders who might be listening, the onus is really on them to begin um, calling these things out and admitting them when they see them and providing, you know, when you see your, your pastor buddy in sin and doing something wrong, go to him and confront him. And then if he won't repent, go to his elders. And then if they won't repent, what the scripture said, it says to Britain to make it public. And so we need to start providing accountability for one another. And, and I think we need to start asking God, you know, is there, is there something maybe a little bit messed up about this celebrity culture that we've created? And, and even if we're just, you know, average Joe person, um, we can do something about it because again, we give these people platform. And so I think we need to be thinking twice about how we do that and how we platform people and often make idols out of them. Now with all these scandals and scandal after scandal, um, why, are, why do you feel that uh, people are still uh, surprised by this when it happens? Why, why is it still such a shock? And why is that shock value still there every time a new scandal comes out when it comes to this? Well, I think it's because we trusted these people, right? Um, I mean, I, I met Ravi. I interviewed him when I had my radio show. Uh, I knew um, Ruth Malhotra, for example, the PR manager. We had had dinner several times when we saw each other at conferences, and I just really enjoyed her. And um, so when I was getting these press releases and I'm like, 
Ruth, this, this doesn't make sense, you know, or this seems obfuscating. What, what's the truth here? Why aren't you giving me a straight answer? It very confusing for me and, and hurtful in, in the sense that these are people I trusted. Um, I even did a, uh, I moderated a debate between Nabil Qureshi, who was a Muslim who became a mm. believer, just an outstanding speaker. He passed away a couple yeah. of years ago, but I love Nabil. And I don't think Nabil knew any of what was going on at RZIM, but he was an RZIM speaker. And, and, and because I moderated this debate, I got to know the RZIM team and I love them. Um, and so it, it was just really disheartening. And, you know, anytime we have, we find that somebody is not who we thought. And, and hypocrite, it's interesting, the Greek word that hypocrite comes from means actor. And so these are actors, some of them. Some of them are just out and out actors. They're con men. And they're, they're, they're telling us a story and giving us a narrative. And they're really good at selling it. I mean, Ravi was one of the most uh, winsome speakers out there. And he came across so humble and so, you know, just truthful. He just had that credibility in his voice and we just all believed him. And sadly, I think that uh, conditioned us to not look carefully when these issues started coming. And, and I will say too, when I first started reporting, the hate mail I got from Christians was unbelievable. And I did not see a willingness on Christians' part to really look at what the facts were and evaluate them at face value. What I saw were a bunch of Christians who no matter what weren't going to believe uh, the messenger and wanted to shoot the messenger. And yeah. I think as long as we have that posture, we're never going to get to the truth in the church. Yeah. We have to be so willing to be open to that truth so that the, the world around us, that's a witness to them, right? How we respond. <laughs> I remember exactly. even myself in was it 2017, after the lawsuit against Lorianne Thompson and the uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance, you know, absolved Ravi of any wrongdoing. And I just, I didn't even investigate really, just took them all at their word and published the story as is without pushing back, right? Because again, I think, like you said, we just wanted yeah, and, to. Yeah. And you know them. what? It's and in some regards, you know, when I first read the story, Christianity Today in 2017, and now, um, They've actually published not a retraction, but but basically, if you if you go to the old 2017 story, you'll see sort of a disclaimer at the top. But they didn't do a really good job of uh, vetting all the information they got, and they they kind of just and they they did the same thing with James McDonald. They just published the press release basically yeah. uh, from the organization, and so they they really weren't doing a good job of vetting things. I think we've seen a, a change in that because uh, Christianity Today were, was the organization that published that story about the spa allegations and these women who said that Robbie Zacharias had sexually abused them at the spa he co-owned. So, I mean, there is a, a degree to which some of the information was really being sanitized before it got to the public. And I think that that part is is on the Christian media for not doing a, be a better job there. But but yeah, I think we, we all are a little bit wiser. You know, I don't know if they have this saying in Canada, but we certainly do down here where they say, fool me once, shame on me, fool mm -hmm. me twice. No, I'm sorry, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Exactly. You know, and so it's like at this point, if we if we're not wising up, if we're not beginning to see these signs, then then, yeah, the, the onus is, is on us. And so I, I think we need to be a little bit wiser moving forward. Julie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit more. Tell us your website address again and uh, what else you've got up there. I believe a podcast too, right? 
Yeah, we have a podcast by the same name, The Roy's Report, uh, and you can find The Roy's Report at Julie Roy's, spelled R-O-Y-S as in Sam, dot com. Um, got tons of stories up there. Uh, there's so much happening right now with Hillsong, with uh, John MacArthur. I published a piece about um, about the lifestyle of this anti-prosperity gospel preacher um, that seems a little incongruous. Um, there's just so many things breaking right now. So been very, very busy. I'm hoping for the day when I won't be so busy and I can just publish, you know, (laughs) (laughs) stories about like we did publish a story this week on how the church is coming together, uh, to, to provide warming shelters uh, down in Texas where they've just been, you know, socked by this uh, snowstorm, but, uh, hoping to do, be able to do more, more of those positive stories in the future. But, you know, as, as long as, as the Lord has called us to do uh, what we're doing, we're, we're just going to keep doing it and uh, hope people can find us online. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.